Last week we, we started chapter 14 and we, with, uh, with Evro sharing in the testimony, um, we just briefly looked at, at the first 13 verses, or first 12 verses actually of, of Matthew 14 is about John the Baptist and about uh, Herod thinking that Jesus may be John the Baptist uh, come back to, to, to haunt him because of what Herod had done and Herod had had him how Herod had executed John the Baptist in prison. We, we looked at John briefly and talked about a man that, had, that believed what he believed so strongly that he wouldn't compromise or back down, even if it meant in prison or even if it meant losing his life, that he stood on his convictions. And that was John. As we move to the, to the, to the verse uh, 13 this morning and down through verse 21, it's the feeding of the 5,000. And it's kind of interesting, you know, you know, as we look at the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, that the Holy Spirit directed them as they were writing the gospels. Only Matthew and Luke record the birth of, of Jesus, to have that in there. It's, it's, Matthew is unique because in Matthew, we have the, along the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews 5, 6, and 7, of this, the message that Jesus spoke there. Luke would be, would be the only writer that the Holy Spirit would have to, to, to put in there uh, the, the story about the prodigal son and about the good Samaritan. But it's interesting, it was interesting to me that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record the incident that we're going to take a look at this morning in Matthew uh, 14 here of the feeding of the 5,000. And we, we call it the feeding of the 5,000 because there was... 5,000 men, but the scripture tells us that was not counting the women and the kids. So as we talk about the feeding of the 5,000, some conservative estimates say 15 to 20,000. It's a, it's a bunch of people, all right? It's a, it's a bunch of people. And uh, so that's, as we, as, as we read this, just be thinking about that. And just, I think it's interesting to kind of set the stage for, for, for what's, as we look at this, uh, in Matthew 12, or in Matthew 13, Jesus had been speaking at Capernaum. He'd been doing great miracles there, but, but, the, but the unbelief was, was great. He, he left Capernaum and went to his hometown of Nazareth, and, and you'd think that there would have been a, a homeboy's welcome when he comes back home, but instead what he found as he spoke in a synagogue in Nazareth and as he shared there was a rejection of who he was to the point of rather than, than welcoming him and welcome his message to the point that they were ready to stone him to death in his hometown. Now they're just bringing the word to Jesus in verse 12 of Matthew 14 says that the disciples... John's disciples came in and removed the body of John to bury it, and they told Jesus what had happened. John was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And so now Jesus gets word that his cousin has just been executed in jail. And I think it's a time as we look, at, as we pick up with verse 14, it says, and Jesus went forth uh, no, in verse 13, it says, and when Jesus heard of it, he left there by ship to go to a deserted place apart. 
I think we, I think we, we see this and what's going what's to take place as we look at the scriptures this morning is a time when Jesus was tired, not only physically, very, most likely, but he was tired emotionally. The, he was tired possibly even spiritually with all the battles, the spiritual battle that had been going on. Have you ever been just dog tired? I think Jesus was dog tired. Anybody, anybody been there? Sometimes you, you have. Uh, and I'll just tell you, when I get dog tired, I have the potential to get grouchy. Now, I know that's going to surprise some of you. Matter of fact, <clears throat> I have that potential. I don't even have to be some, the dog tired to be there. Share this story. It's just too good not to share. This past Monday, Barbie and I, we wanted to kind of have a, her birthday was this week, and we <clears throat> wanted to have a kind of a special day. And, and so we, we were going to Alpharetta, to Costco. And uh, we got on the other side of the mountain, and Barbie said, you know, there's a, there's a Ross right past the outlets there. And I thought, it's her birthday. I'm needing to make some, earn some points here. And I thought, yeah, that's great. It's a great idea. And we, we go into Ross, and Barbie very seldom ever finds anything for herself, but, but she found some things for uh, the grandkids and different ones. And, and, and they had a, a great sale on the jewelry. Barbie's not a jewelry person, but they had, they had earrings that had been $75 and they were on sale for less than 10. And, uh, and, and I, I'm look good on you, babe. I mean, I, I mean, so, so she's finding some stuff. Matter of fact, the little girl is waiting on us. She said, y'all have got quite a, quite a stack over here. And I realized <clears throat> we were getting quite a stack over there and, and thinking that if we had any money left for Costco, we, you know, we needed to hurry on out. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm telling Barbie, we probably need to, to go and, and I was, I, was, I was just encouraging her. That's a spiritual word for her. But somewhere along the line, I probably, she perceived that I might have been a little grouchy in that. So we get into the car, and we've gone about a mile down, down 400 toward Alpharetta. And I have, a, the, the, and I have the, a Christian radio station on. We've gone about a mile, and Barbie reaches over and just turns the radio off. And I said, honey, I said, what would you do that for? She said, well, it's on a Christian radio station, and it's obvious it's not doing you much good. She was, she was spot on. She was spot on. And all I could do was just, was just sit there and just, and just rolling because she was right. Um, don't know if you've ever had the Christian radio station on, but it's not doing you much good. But I, it was. So we, we drove on toward Costco in silence till I got my mind right. But, uh, but, but as we look at this scripture, Jesus, I believe Jesus was tired. He, he was really tired. And he wanted, he was just, I'm thinking, he's thinking, just need to get away Get away, rest just a little bit, and I surely need to get to the disciples because they've been with him through the rejection. They they've, were with him now when word has come that Herod has killed, uh, has beheaded John, and, and persecution could be just right around the corner. And Jesus was thinking, just get away, and let's just get away just for a brief time. But that, that wasn't what was going to happen. Look at this. It says he, he left there to find a desert place apart, and when, verse 13... And the, when the people had heard where Jesus, what he was doing and where he was going, they followed him on foot out of a bunch, out of the surrounding towns, cities, it says here. So when they heard what, it, what had happened, uh, these, the, the, the people came, they followed him and some of the crowds, matter of fact, some of them came from long distances. And when they, when they got where he was, notice what, what happens in verse 
14. It says this, when Jesus went forth in and when he saw a great multitude, he saw the people, thousands, thousands of people. And this next phrase just really, man, it, it speaks to me. It says, and he was moved with compassion toward him. Now, what does some of your translations say there? Huh? He had compassion toward them. He what? Felt compassion. Some says that he had great pity on them. I, I, just, I just look at this. Jesus is, is dog tired. He's thinking, I just, just, just a little. But when he sees the people, he sees the great need. He sees the great need and it moves his heart. Jesus has the potential of seeing great crowds, but he also sees every individual in that great crowd. Jesus can see all of us this morning to see a congregation, but he knows every one of us from the youngest to the oldest, to the most complicated things that's going on in our mind right now, to the most simple things. He sees, and it moves his heart. It moved the heart of Jesus when he saw this crowd. So much so that, that notice what he started doing. And so what he starts doing then is that he goes among the people and he begins to heal their sick and he begins to minister. He begins to, he begins to talk. He begins to interact with the people and he's meeting the needs of the people. And it's one of those times that as he ministered, time and the day just got away from him. Have you ever been in a service where the Holy Spirit uh, of God just came down in such a, an awesome way? Sometimes you can just almost feel it like rolls of waves of the ocean coming over the, uh, the service. And, and you, you're there and some, finally somebody's closing service. And you think, man, I'm not ready for service to close. And you're looking, it's been an hour and a half or two hours. And it seems like it was not even started because God's presence there and, and time loses value. Now that's in a stark contrast so if you've ever been in a service and the preacher's preached and preached and preached and you think he's ought to be ready to close and you look at your watch and it's only been 10 minutes. And you think, oh my goodness. But when the spirit of God shows up, time loses. I, I think time just has a way of, it doesn't matter. And so all day, Jesus has he's been ministering to these people and, and, and time hadn't mattered. And so the disciples, I love this now, that the disciples in verse 15 of, uh, we're in Matthew 14, verse 15, the disciples, uh, when it was evening, came to Jesus, and they felt like they needed to let Jesus know what time it was and what was going on. Now, I, I, this is so cool and so funny. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever felt like you needed to let Jesus know what was going on in your life or not. I, I have caught myself before praying and saying and, and talking and just like and Jesus you need to know this and it's just like Jesus saying oh my gosh you're I never realized that you know you think he knows everything he knows he knows everything but he loves it I think when we come to him but sometimes it, it's well look what the disciples do they come to Jesus and they said now now Jesus it's we're in a deserted place we're in a desert place we're we're out in the country we're 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 way out in the we're we're out out here away from everything and, uh, and, and King James says, and the time is now past. What? All I can figure out is they're saying, 
We were, you were to sent these folk home a long time ago. <laughs> it's getting late. Jesus, did you not realize it's getting late? And what, what we remind him of is so, so funny. Now, you just think about it. It's getting late. And you need to send the people away so they can go into the villages and buy some food. Their concern was, and others, other, the other accounts and the other gospels tell us, <clears throat> that they'd been there all day, hadn't eaten. And all of a sudden, you know, kids were probably getting a little bit restless and whining and needing to eat. And, 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 and people, you know, and this was it. And all of a sudden, the disciples were saying to Jesus, man, you need to, you need to let them go. They're going to be caught on the way home and the dark is going to catch them. And they're going to be on the road with no food. And, and I love this when he says to send them into the villages, King James says, so they can buy. I, I believe the disciples look 15, 20,000 people. Hey, they can't just go to McDonald's and, and Burger King and Wendy's and uh, Chick-fil-A and Blairsville. They, they, enough, they, they need to go to Hawassi and Blue Ridge and Murphy. They need to go into all the nearby towns and get them some food. They were, they were letting Jesus know what was going on. Verse 16, but Jesus. Now, I love but but Jesus said to them, they need not depart. Now, that's King Jameseth. They need not departeth. Uh, we would have said, Jesus said, they don't need to leave. They don't need to go away. Wow. Um, Spurgeon preached a message on this, on this phrase. They don't need to go away. Now, Spurgeon could preach a sermon on, on this word, but... And uh, he was prolific, a prolific uh, preacher. And if, you, if you've looked at Spurgeon's archives, I mean, and, and the man's ministry spanned many years. And what, what a great communicator of God's word. But, it, but he preached a message on they don't need to go away. And I thought about that. I, I was looking at some of his, his message on this. They don't need to go away. And Spurgeon said, if these, if these mostly listeners didn't need to go away, then surely we as followers of Christ don't need to go away. We don't need to go away to find those needs met. Spurgeon said that circumstances don't need to drive you away from Jesus. You won't have things so hard or so easy that you don't need Jesus. He said, there's nothing in Jesus' character. There's nothing in Jesus' demeanor. There's nothing in Jesus' That would drive you away. And Spurgeon would conclude his sermon and he would say that there's nothing in the future that can or will ever make you need to go away from Jesus. Now, there, there, it's awesome. The message was awesome. But here Jesus just says to the disciples, they don't need to leave. And then quickly, he says to them, give them something to eat. Now, that has got to, they, they've got to have been, I mean, we just got to, Jesus, look out here. 15 to 20,000 people. It's not a covered dish. They didn't, everybody didn't bring anything. Matter of fact, the other gospel accounts tell us that in the whole crowd, when Jesus said, go, go, go see, what, see what you got, the, the account tells us what, there's one boy whose mom packed him a lunch because he was going to listen to the teacher. And she, she packed him a little boy's lunch. She fixed, packed him five, five little biscuits or five loaves, five biscuits, and what? Two fish. 
Just two little fish. It wasn't, they weren't stripers. They weren't 50-pound stripers. Got two 50-pounders in here. Boys, we can feed a lot of that. No. It was a little boy's lunch. But Jesus says to these disciples, you give them something to eat. And then in verse, verse 17, they got, they, was when they told them, we've got five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus says, hey, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. Have you ever heard that? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever heard that old song, Little as Much, when God is in it? And, 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 and this whole story to me just kind of uh, captures the, the, the verses in Isaiah 55. When Isaiah 55, the, the, the God is speaking to the prophet and telling people, everybody that thirsts us, everybody that hungers, come to him and he has food to feed us with. And in that chapter, it says, for, God says, for as the heavens are higher than earth, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. When Jesus looked at his disciples and said, hey, tell them not to leave. Give them something to eat. Immediately, the disciples, What? I know, immediately they went to, we ain't got any food. We got five little biscuits and two small fish, and we got thousands of people. We don't have. Their focus was on what they did not have. And Jesus' way of thinking was right the opposite. Jesus was focusing upon what God had provided. Well, God's provided five biscuits and two fish. But what are they among so many? When they brought them to Jesus, and it, 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 it speaks of when we, when we give what we have to God, he can do the rest. The God who could speak the worlds into beings by just, by his word, out of nothing. The God who could take uh, dust of the ground and form man. The God who could do all this, is get, he, is, he is getting ready to fix a feast for these thousands out of five loaves. And two fishes. And the disciples are going to be, to be able to be a part of seeing how God works. So Jesus says, bring them to me. And they bring them to Jesus. And uh, he, he tells them to sit down. He tells them to sit down. It's awesome here. He tells the disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. It, it's a, it, God, somebody said, and it's true, God is a God of order. God does things in an in a orderly fashion, in neat way. I, things can get chaotic around me a lot of times, but I need to take, sometimes I just need to step back, take a deep breath and say, but God, you're a God of order, and how do you want to do this? It wasn't, it wasn't a quick, Jesus said, everybody come by and take a pinch of fish and hold it between your cheek and gum till it, you're know, on the way home, and it'll satisfy you. He didn't do that. He didn't, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just grab it and run. I, I love this. He said, have everybody sit down on the grass. On the grass. And the, the, I believe the, 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 uh, the mood around was, hey, this is what we do when this is this. this. It's sit down and relax. Get comfortable because you're, we're fixing to eat. And, I, and, and when Jesus feeds us, when he fed them, it was, it was satisfying to the full. Sit down on the grass. Get relaxed. Get comfortable because we're going to, we're going to enjoy this time together. And that's what he does. He takes the, the loaves and fishes. And he looks up to heaven and he blesses them and he breaks them. And then he gives, them, he, he gives it to the disciples to give to the people. 
Now, it's it's neat. Jesus could have said to these guys, hey, tell them not to go away. I'm going to feed them. And, And we read this and we see that's what he does. But Jesus, I believe, intentionally, purposefully involves his disciples in ministering and in meeting and helping meet the needs. You know, Jesus has chosen to work through his church. He's chosen to work through his followers. He's chosen to work through individuals. That's how he he chooses oftentimes to do. Now, he's God. He can do what he wants to. But oftentimes, he chooses to tell you or me to do something that we think we can't do. You give him something to eat. There ain't no way. Don't focus on what you haven't got. What has God given you? So he tells them to sit down. And they sat down in groups. Now, I don't know how this, as Jesus prayed, I don't know if it's as he prayed. I don't, scripture doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us that as he, as he broke off the fish, how he does it. Doesn't, we, don't, we don't know that. What we know is there's five little loaves, there's two fish, there were 12 disciples, there were thousands of people. And they, as, they, as they gave them to eat, look at verse 20. It says, and they all ate. And were filled. Now, to me, that means they all ate and they were full. They were satisfied. You know, they were, they were satisfied. Now, I, when I read this and when, when it says there's 5,000 men, I know how most men are at a fish fry. Okay? I know, I know that. You, you know, especially if there's a lot of people and a few fish. I'll just tell you how it was in the Helton household. You, you watch, you're very hesitant taking that last fish off the plate but you kind of watch and if everybody kind of you know they're sitting around look like they, everybody's satisfied you hated for one fish to go to waste <laughs> I've been there done that and praying Lord are they all full I'll get this and you know anybody else want this fish I mean, I mean you know they're 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 gonna do that now if it had been vegan I I, I guess you know or if, or if it if, if for those who are lactose intolerance or not lactose but what is that when you can't have gluten you got to have a gluten-free diet they, you know, probably would have had something beside the five loaves. They might have had them away for things with that cardboard box. I don't know. But, but I just know, what, but, but Jesus, for a, for a redneck boy who loves fish, it just don't get much better than this. Fish and bread. Fish and bread. Thinking of the time that, and, and, and I believe these people must have, as they ate, as they ate and that somebody said, where'd all this food come from, man? Look at this. Hey, pass, pass me. Any more fish left? Yeah, there's plenty here. Any more bread? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of bread. Here, get all you want. Where did this come from? Did he have this delivered? Is this, is this takeout? I mean, uh, did we order this? Man. I'm reminded of, uh, of God in the Exodus, story in the Exodus, the children of Israel, as they left Egypt. Um, as we read that account, a lot of the, a lot of the commentators say that there was, I don't know, 600,000 maybe Israelites that left Egypt. But, but with a multitude of Egyptians and others that left with them. One estimate that I had, it was kind of a conservative estimate that I read many years ago, was 2 million, around 2 million people left Egypt. It wasn't 600, it wasn't 1,000, it wasn't 10,000. It was hundreds of thousands of people that left Egypt. You're absolutely right, Anise. And, and when they crossed the Red Sea, they didn't have a little trail and go across two by two and wade through mud up to their knees. 
They went across through the Red Sea, thousands abreast, and when they got to the other side, they shook the dust off their feet because they went on dry ground. But now think about it. Now they've crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is drowned in the sea, and they're in the wilderness, possibly up to 2 million. Now I can remember when Dorothy Helton read a, a, a thing on this, and, and she told how many tanker cars of water it would have take, taken, it would have took, they would have needed just for each day. And then how many thousands of pounds of food to feed these two million people? And all of a sudden, they've left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. God's been awesome. And they, all of a sudden, they're out here. And what does God do? God provides manna. He feeds them with something they've never seen before. Every morning is fresh on the ground. Wow. Reading Kings, is it 1 Kings 17 or one of the, one of the chapters close by there where God uh, calls this prophet and he tells him to go down and, and there's a famine in the land and this prophet's where God tells him to go and, he, and there's no food. He left in a hurry and there he is and he's hungry. And God airlifts him food in twice a day. The raven brings him meat and bread. Now I'm thinking, that's cool. For, for you know, again, I like that. I, I like it. But I just know that, that our God knows what we need. Jesus seeing the crowd went in and started ministering to their needs. To those that need healing, he healed. To those that need encouraging, he would offer encouragement. To those when they needed feeding, he would feed them. He was moved with compassion and that, that, that mercy and that grace and that pity brought with it all his resources to minister. So they've, 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 they've kicked back, they've ate, and they've all had all they want. All they want. And in and, and verse 20 says, and Jesus said, okay, now pick up, don't, don't let anything go to waste. And so they pick up how many baskets of 12 baskets of bread and fish when they end it, when they get through eating. Now, I, you say, Helton, that don't make sense. They didn't have but five loaves and two fishes to start with. Exactly. I just want to tell you, God is able to do things that you and I can't figure out. You probably knew that, right? But he's not limited to our way of thinking. And, and, and when we walk in obedience, and as God, as God, when God decides to, be, to, to show his glory, it's awesome. Somebody, after first service was talking, Dylan came up, Dylan Coyne, and he said, man, he said, do you realize, he said, there was a basket for each disciple. I said, no, I've thought about that. I, I, he said, why 12? And somebody else, somebody else who, who came and uh, don't even, don't even claim to be a Christian, and they said, there's got to be something significant about them being 12 baskets left over, or God wouldn't have said there was 12. And they are, I, and I don't know, but I have fun thinking. Now, have you ever, here these disciples are, and Jesus, it's been, it's, been, it's been quite a day for them. They're tired too. Remember, Jesus was tired. They're tired too. Oh, my cow, and here comes all this crowd, thousands of people. Well, Jesus, what are you going to do? Is, let's, let's just, we, we need to lose them. And Jesus said, no, we don't need to lose them. We don't need to lose them. We need to go amongst them. You got to be kidding me. And he starts, and everybody said, he's doing it again. He's praying for this and he's healing that one. He's encouraging this. One. And here the disciples are. 
And then, and then this goes on all day. And it's awesome. It's got to be pretty awesome. But then toward the end of the day, and, they're, they're, and, and people are saying, we're going to eat. And they're hearing people talking about eat. And finally, they need to let Jesus know. And they come to hey, man, it's a long time. It's all day. It's been awesome. Jesus but sent them home. And Jesus said, no, they don't need to leave. Give them something to eat. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. And so here are the disciples. And again, it's been, a, it's been all day. And stress is not letting up. Give them something to eat. What have we got to eat? Five loaves, two fishes. Jesus said, now give them something to eat. And they see him working. Have you ever ministered to the point and, you, and, you watch, and you've watched God work and you watch God work and sometimes you, you watch God work and you minister and you just think, man, it's been awesome, but, but I need ministering to too. Maybe these disciples had thought, they, they, they knew the five loaves and two fish. Maybe they thought, men, don't one of you is eating any of this stuff. Jesus is going to try to feed these thousands with this stuff. Don't you put your paws in there and get any of this. I don't know. But they were busy ministering, and it'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it, if, if, if somewhere in the back of one of the disciples' minds, he's thinking, boy, it looks good. And Jesus said, here, hey, take a basket of this. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've jotted down some things for me to remember and, and not lose sight of this. I'm going to share them with you as I close out here. This lessons, uh, I've, I've got three lessons that... that I, that spoke to me, and I've got three principles from those lessons. The, the first thing is this, this story that was significant that is in every gospel shows me the Jesus heart of compassion toward people. I mean, it's, it's what it is. Ministry very seldom is ever convenient, but it's always timely of needs. And Jesus' compassion toward people, toward you and me, each one of us, Shows us his compassion. And it not only shows compassion, secondly, is it shows us his care that's moved out of a heart of love. The need that day was some, for some food. He had ministered, he had encouraged them, he had ministered, he had ministered healing to those who were sick. They had come for different reasons. And he had met, met those needs, but now there was a practical need that was great, and he met that. And thirdly, and this is kind of awesome to me is it, shows me, it showed me how Jesus called his disciples to be a part of ministry when he could have chosen to do it by himself, but his plan was to work through them. And he still does that. I don't know what God may be calling some of you to do something today, and, and, and you're, you're like disciples, you need to say, hey, God... I know I feel like you're telling me to do this, but do you know how much money we don't have in the bank? Or God, do you, do you know what's going on in my family right now? Or God, do you know what, you know, you, I mean, I know you, you asked me this, but you know I can't talk in front of people. I mean, we're not unique to this. God called Moses to go down and lead, his children of, uh, lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and to, and to go to Pharaoh. And Moses said, I can't talk, man. God, I get all tongue-tied. I can't speak explains for spluttering. I can't do that, you know? I mean, and here we are, but sometimes God speaks and he calls and he asks us to do that which seemingly is impossible. But Miss Hudson Taylor, speaking one year at Bible camp, and she was James Hudson Taylor III, she said, uh, God will, where God guides, God will always provide. He'll never ask you to do something that he won't provide the means for you to do it with. And the, and the fact that they had 12 basketfuls left over, I'm reminded of a storm, I'll kind of share this for those, this goes back many years. Barbie, you, you might have to help me with this. I think it was a girl's dorm. Uh, we, the camp, the small camp, 
there in Preach Cairns is still alive and, and he had announced just out of the blue that we needed more camp space and we were going to build on camp, onto the camp. And uh, I'm thinking, I don't know why, preacher, I don't know why you did that. God love you. And, uh, but as the leadership prayed about it, we, we said, okay, we'll build a dorm. We're going to build a girl's dorm, this first dorm. And, but we're going to build it and pay for it as we build it. We're not going to go in debt to build it. We're going to pay for it as we build it. And uh, Barbara, we, I, I, almost, I almost say we had $6,000 when we started. Is that true? $12,000. What do we have? $1,100. Uh, <laughs> I know because she, she, she remembers. And, uh, and, and, and this is our commitment. We will, we will work and we will pay for everything as we go. As we go. And when we run out of money, we will stop until we get money to do the next phase of that. Some of you are part of that. I'm looking over at Gary. He's been a, a lot, part of a lot that God has done through the years. And, and that was our commitment. We prayed about it. Finally, and we said, okay, we feel like God was telling us to do that. So we started building the girl's dorm with $1,100. That's what we had. And we built it, and we never had to stop. We never had to stop. And when we got done, we, we, we said, well, we've, we've got enough money there to put... Uh, Gas, heat, and air conditioning. We had, I'd never been to a Bible camp that had air-conditioned dorms. Never had in all my life to that point. And uh, they said, we can put air conditioning in there, and we can put carpet on the floor. I'd never been to a Bible camp that had carpet in a dorm. You know? We can do that. We finished the... Right, Barbara, I'm going to ask you this. We finished the dorm. We started with $1,100, but God, but God has said, step out and do this. And when we finished building the girls' dorm and everything was paid for, how much do we have in the account, Barbie? A little over $8,000. You can't do that with man's figuring. You can't do that with man's figuring. It, but, but it, it, and it was a tribute and a testimony to God's faithfulness. To God's faithfulness. Let me give you my three principles. One, thank God and wisely use what you have. Don't let what you don't have keep you from doing what God calls you to do with what you do have, okay? Thank God and wisely use what you have. Number two, trust God's unlimited resources. Yeah, it's true, we sing it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth and everybody, he owns everything. Now, I'm not telling you to go out here and be careless. I'm not telling you to go out here and be, and, and just, don't do it, don't, don't do a, a jury health and thing. I'm not telling you to go out here and start building something and then say, oh, by the way, God, I want you to bless what we're doing, okay? Boy, I've been there, done that, and messed up. And God, a lot of times, God will just let you say, okay, if you think you can do this without me. And he's not a genie. He's not, he's not at the beckon and whim and call of us when we, when we run ahead of him. No, I'm not telling you that. I'm just simply telling you. But when God, when God tells you to do something, when God told the disciples, tell them to sit down, you give them something to eat. Jesus had something in mind. There's something big. Okay, so when God speaks to you and tells you and calls you and includes you in what he's fixing to do, you better strap up because it's fixing to happen. So one, principle, thank God and wisely use what you have. Two, trust God's unlimited resource. And the last one, don't waste anything that God has given you. Now, I love this. I, I remind Barbie of this a lot of times. Remember, Jesus even left those leftovers, darling. Put that in the refrigerator. Don't throw it away. Dogs have got dog food. Chickens have got chicken food. Put that in there in the refrigerator. We'll eat it tomorrow, or I might eat it tonight before I go to sleep. <laughs> oh, 
God didn't waste anything. He didn't waste his, I don't, we don't know what happened to him. We don't know, but he, he didn't waste anything. I'll tell you something. Not only in material things does, is God very wise and uh, a good steward, and he wants us to be that, I believe, too. But in your life, God will not waste anything. The experiences, a lot of times, a lot of times we have scars, and we, we may have more than scars. We may have some ugly scars. Sometimes we may have things in our lives that we think that, that nobody knows, and God calling us and God saying to you, I want you to go talk to this group, or I want you to speak to that young man or to that young woman, or I just want you to do this. And, and, and we find ourselves like disciples telling God what he don't know, right? You've got to be kidding. You can't ask me to do that. I can't. You, you don't know what I've done. I mean, we tell God. Have you ever told God that? You don't know what I've done. You know, God doesn't waste anything. His mercy and grace in your life and in my life is an investment in his glory. Out of that, to those people that he just brings along your path, that he puts you in touch with, that he tells you to minister to, that he may tell you to have some fish with for his glory. Well, that's through. I'm, I'm, I'm at the end. I, I just, he just kept showing me and telling me, and I just love this story. Uh, you pray about, what are you, what are you saying to me, God? What, what are you saying to me through this? He may not be saying anything to you other than the fact that it's, it's just his, his provision and his power and his love for you is greater than you'll ever know. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But he may be stretching some of us through this. He may be saying, oh, my goodness. Give them to eat. And he may be saying to you, don't focus on what you don't have, but focus on what I've given you. You pray about it. Let me pray with you. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your, your word. Your word is altogether true, and it's timeless. It's ageless. And you're the same God that through your son Jesus Christ fed the multitudes with plenty left over. And you're the same God that used your son and modeled how he involves his followers in ministry. And you're the same God that we don't really need to. We find ourselves often reminding you of things that you already know about. And you just want us to focus on your love and your grace and your mercy and your power and your resources. Your resources, not ours. So Father, take your word this morning. Let your Holy Spirit speak it into our hearts and lives exactly where it needs to fit in. You fit it in. And I'll thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to see you. A lot of you say, yeah. Yes, Bill. Bill's going to say something. He very seldom. That's like E.F. Hutton talking. y'all bear with me just a minute I had to share I'm sitting there listening to Jerry's sermon and thinking back when we were planning the Family Life Center and Evelyn and I were on the committee to do that and it was Pastor Jerry's vision to build that and I love Jerry but I thought he was crazy <laughs> there's a lot of people that are in that category <laughs> from a human standpoint it was impossible because we were meeting our budget but that was pretty much what we were doing 
And our budget at that time, I hadn't researched it, but it was somewhere around ten, eleven thousand dollars a week, and now it's double that. And Jerry told us to go plan a building that would seat a thousand people for a meal. You know, it doesn't take. I a like big dinners. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of brains to figure out that that's going to cost quite a bit. But we built the building in, on faith. And last February, we paid off that Family Life Center through faith and, and through God's faithfulness, yeah. God's faithfulness and, and through our leadership that we did exactly the things that Jerry was talking about this morning. We used that building for upward and for, other, for outreach. We didn't use it for our own right. use only. And I just praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. God is always showing out. Amen. Amen.